nice dessert. Uh, if you don't have a dessert, it's coming. But the time has come for question and answer period. And uh, those who would like to ask questions to Terry, please come forward and speak through that microphone. Uh, and uh, first, you mention your name and then ask questions. Keep the questions brief and uh, make maybe perhaps at most two points, two questions. Uh, not too much commentary, please. But uh, uh, if you want to come back to ask more questions, you have to wait until those people who want, still want to ask first questions. When they're finished, and then you can come back second time. But anyhow, uh, Terry is standing here to answer questions, so please, microphone's over there, so please come forward, ask questions. Thank you. Mr. Moderator, Terry, it's uh, great to have you back where you belong. Uh, the question I want to ask is appropriate, I think, for a man of the cloth. I want to ask a question of, of morality. And I'm asking that question of morality because last week we had an outstanding presentation on the larger issues of evil and how they're defined and, and evil and the good in the world today. Evil for whom and for what purposes, that complex issue. And I know this issue is equally complex, but it's central in my judgment. It seems to me that, as we all know, uh, the United States of America has something like 854 military bases at some place, located someplace on the, on the point of the earth. These bases have to be serviced, and they have to be serviced with energy. And the United States has to be serviced with energy. It has to be serviced and protected by these bases. Afghanistan, after the triumphant kind of campaign that's been waged, we're going to extend the Iraq war now into another war. I'm suggesting to you, and I'd like your comments, that much as I appreciate your kindness in talking about McMurray as a, as a pretty place, it, it hasn't been decimated utterly. It, 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 it is still being, it's, it's still the wrong thing to do, to take the, the energy that exists there and in Saudi, pipe lines, gas lines, and, and oil lines, or the dirty fluid down to the United States where it can be manufactured in war materials to keep the wars going in Afghanistan and, and Saudi and other places. In other words, uh, Mr. Chairman, I'm asking, there is a moral issue here that overrides all the technological advances that we are making. Would you care to address that? Well, your question implies that oil is only used for war. Uh, but it's also the energy that makes uh, the wheels turn in peaceful ways, too. And uh, uh, I don't know how you separate those two, but uh, uh, I th my whole uh, focus is that uh, we need to ask how we use oil and use it simply. Uh, but I'm not sure it's a solution to uh, shut down the oil sands, for example. Uh, or shut down oil fields, period. Well, when you make that comment, lots of people in Fort McMurray would agree with you. 
they would say there's no reason in the world why there's such a race to develop these resources. And one senior manager of Suncor said to me when I had first arrived, he said, uh, quote, they have ravaged this town. And he's a senior manager in Suncor. Uh, he just knew it didn't have to be done that fast and that destructively. And, um, and I, by they, I, I think he meant, uh, you know, the powers that be, but it certainly included the provincial cabinet. Welcome back, uh, Terry. Thank I, you. Uh, I commiserate with you in regard to what happened to the Rough Riders on Sunday. It was, it was a very sad day, yeah. I, I'm pleased to see that you've recovered uh, reasonably well, although I'm thinking that maybe there was a shock there that affected the way you see this horrendous situation in Fort McMurray, and I'm wondering how you would reconcile your views with Al Gore, if you want to put Nick of Horick and Mars on the side. And I'd just like to point out that the most sophisticated PR and the most exploitive institutions in the world happen to be corporations. And the worst of the worst are the energy companies. I've worked for Sun Oil back in the oil fields back when I was going to school. I've tracked research for 15 years on corporations, and they're the worst of the worst. And I, I, I think there's a shock here, a cultural shock, that that football game packed you. Uh, last two speakers seem to be known by everybody except me. That was uh, Al Barnhill. I go, okay. A guy called Campbell so over please there. Uh, mention your name first uh, for a person like me who know nothing. Well, I just want to, I want to respond to Al's uh, comments about um, corporations being at the root of this problem, and I guess I don't see it that way. I think that the political managers are at the root of the problem, and, and uh, as well as ourselves. I, I think the first villains are the, are the people you see in the mirror each morning uh, because we're the consumers of oil. Uh, but um, uh, many people inside Suncor and Syncrude, uh, the people that I got to know best, uh, would say if the provincial government would uh, regulate this industry, we'd be a lot better off. Uh, but uh, don't expect one corporation to, be, to make a charitable gesture uh, without, other, uh, without affecting other companies because it's a competitive situation. And... Um, uh, they felt the neglect and uh, uh, silence of the provincial government particularly uh, was at the root of the ravaging of the town, I think. Yeah, perhaps. If you want to make a comment, please come up here. <laughs> Mitchell. Terry, um, with tongue-in-cheek, we wondered if you were being paid a retainer by the oil companies, <laughs> as Sean Ward is being paid by the nuclear companies. <laughs> no, that wasn't my question. I was interested in your comment <coughs> about the media. I think the media have a lot to answer for, as well as the provincial government. I've noticed, and recently you mentioned, I'm a member of the Kairos, local Kairos Committee, as you know, and uh, we just had all of our funding from CEDA cut as of yesterday, no, the 30th of November, and we are quite concerned about that. However, in terms of media, 
I am quite alarmed by the fact that our local paper, and I confess <coughs> that I also get the Globe and Mail for, for real news up to the minute, that our local paper completely ignored the Colvin affair for a, a week until it suddenly it had been on the headline and headlines on the Globe for a week before it ever appeared in the Lethbridge Herald. And I am concerned, and I wonder if you would comment on your thoughts on the, the responsibility of the media in getting the story out. There's also, I should say, in the Globe today, a, a quarter-page article on the Kairos cuts. But I do think that the media have a lot to answer for in our local media, particularly in terms of getting the new, real news. Well, sometimes it's the stories you don't tell that um, are the problem. But uh, in yesterday's paper, uh, there was an article on the... Um, uh, the fact that the oil companies were not uh, living up to their agreements around their reclamation of land. And uh, uh, what wasn't included in the article was the fact that that technology is all there. The technology is, has arrived. Uh, there's just the will, the, the will of the corporations to do it and the will of the uh, political jurisdictions to make sure it happens. Um, so, yeah, the story's not reported. My name is Van Christou. Thank you so much, Terry, for uh, bringing this message to us. There were surprises in it. Um, I, I was really surprised and pleased to hear that, that the social picture in, in uh, Port McMurray is not as disastrous as many people report. I'm really glad to hear that, but I'm not surprised in a way that I think we Canadians have, a, have good heads on our shoulders and there are good people moving in there for the most part and, and trying to, to make a good place to live. However, I must back up a little bit and, and support Gordon over there on this moral issue. Um, the, uh, where does the blame come from? Of course, uh, your, your whole the thesis that we're responsible in the, in the final analysis, individually. Our expectations in this society, in this room, are way beyond what we deserve. If, if you look at what we all have in this room in relation, to, uh, and I know a number of you have traveled to the third world, when you look at it in relation to the way people are living in the rest of the world, there's no way that there's enough material, enough energy, enough anything for even a, a tenth of the people of this world to live the way we're living. And yet here we have it, and we expect it, and we expect more. So the problem really is there. But having said that, we're also living under a system, and you put blame on, on, on government, of course, but government responds to pressures. And uh, if there's not enough pressure coming from the people, there's always pressure. You can count on there being pressure from the corporations. And they're good at it, and they have good mouthpieces, and they have clever lawyers, and they know how to handle our city councils and our provincial governments and our federal government. And they do it effectively, and they win out in the end. And the only reason, in my opinion, that there's as much uh, responsibility in Fort McMurray by the oil companies as there is, is because of the environmental groups. If they weren't around putting pressure on them, they'd be cutting corners like you, like crazy, and we'd have a much greater disaster than we're, we're having today. So thank goodness for that. But having said that, I've got to ask you, don't you think that we're being over-responsive, our government is being over-responsive, to the pressures that are coming from south of the border. When during the, the Bush years, they declared that the most important policy in American policymaking 
was to supply sufficient oil to the United States for the next 10 years. That's when Fort McMurray came on board, uh-huh. and that's what's developed it, and we're responding to, to, to those demands. Do you think that we have the guts and the wherewithal as individuals to influence our government to take our own route rather than to follow what, what was said in Washington? Well, I think that's very urgent. I, I can only repeat uh, uh, what you said, Van, um, that um, uh, that pressure needs to be there, and, and it isn't. And, um, and uh, corporations are very powerful advocates for what's in their uh, interest. Something else I was going to add to that, and it just slipped my mind. Um, it'll come to me in a moment. Um, Austin Fennell. Uh, Terry, I haven't any doubt that uh, the people that you tended to meet within uh, Fort McMurray were uh, people of uh, pretty good quality, <clears throat> but it's a resource town. Um, and I have to wonder about um, another side of the life of the people who are there and what's, um, what that social environment is like. Uh, what, what's the life like in the resource camp, the place where people are living? Uh, not in the apartments in the city. Um, and uh, although this example is a little dated, uh, our son-in-law worked with the RCMP up there uh, a number of years ago, and it was the most difficult place in his career where he's had to work. And um, I was telling people at our table that he was patrolling that highway south, uh, pulled over a person who, when he got out of the car, attacked him and nearly killed him. And it was because another person got out of their car and came to his assistance that he's alive today. Now, I wouldn't want to exaggerate the meaning of that illustration, but still I'm trying to get at the point of another kind of life that may be up there that isn't so well demonstrated in those who are fine, upstanding citizens. Well, that's certainly true. Uh, you know, if you expect, uh, go to Fort McMurray and expect, it's about the same size as Red Deer and Lethbridge, but if you expect it to be that kind of a city, you'll certainly be disappointed because it's a frontier town on the edge of the universe and uh, all the things that you see in a boom town. But it was my reflection that there were two different uh, um, communities of Fort McMurray. There are the people who come and stay and make this their place and uh, make it a very healthy community. And um, there are the people who come for you know, 18, 19 months to make uh, lots of bucks and then leave. And they're often, uh, they bring the unstable element to the community. But, um, you know, 25,000 single people in work camps an hour out of, uh, out of the city is not a healthy uh, communal environment. And, um, and uh, so uh, that's a whole different community from uh, the ongoing community of Fort McMurray that I serve. And uh, I wouldn't uh, begin to think that that is a healthy place. But at the same time, uh, I think we we um, exaggerate if we think that Fort McMurray has a whole bunch of problems that we don't have in Lethbridge. And, you know, there are homeless people in Lethbridge, and there are uh, parts uh, of Lethbridge at night that you wouldn't want to walk. And um, uh, so there, there, is homeless pe- there are homeless people in Fort McMurray, and there's uh, all kinds of substance abuse problems. Um, but I recall talking to a um, social worker in the addictions field, who, who graduated from uh, Lethbridge University and now is in Medicine Hat, who remarked to me that there were more, uh, there were, there were more, uh, um, how did she word it, uh, addiction issues and substance abuse 
uh, approaches to her in, in, in this community than in Fort McMurray. Uh, you could unpack the reasons for that endlessly, but I'm, I, my only point is that uh, don't think uh, Fort McMurray has a bunch of problems we don't have here because they're shared with any urban environment. Trevor Harrison. Uh, hi, Terry. It's good to see you again. Yes. Just a very quick question. I'm uh, interested to know what the circumstances are for Aboriginal peoples, both in the community itself, but also, uh, of course, the surrounding communities, Anzac, Port Mackay, and all those around there, and uh, what opportunities are actually emerging for, uh, for that population uh, in the uh, continuing development. Thank you. Well, I'm not an expert on it, of course, but um, Fort Mackay is a community about 45 minutes north of uh, Fort McMurray. And um, the people of Fort Mackay have done very well by this whole development. And I remember golfing with um, a couple of brothers called Black uh, uh, one day, and we asked them about how they felt about the oil sands. And um, they, were, they were conflicted. Uh, it was made a great living for them. I think they were in the construction business. Um, uh, but they understood the ravaging it meant to the, uh, for the land. And um, uh, I think... Um, and then we had an open night with the Kairos people in which native people were there in considerable abundance. And uh, I heard the same kind of conflicted messages. Uh, this has made our people well off and given us jobs and has brought great unhealth um, uh, to, to our communal living. And uh, uh, in that sense, they're not much different than a lot of white people. I can't speak about Fort Chip because I, I just don't have enough contact. Terry, I'm Tom Kane, and I thank you for balancing things up with someone and helping us move the pendulum from such an extreme position the media has put on Fort McMurray. But I had a prof one time that said, when you go to change the um, perspective and the pendulum's over here, it's very hard to stop it when you get to the middle. Mm -hmm. It quickly goes over to the other side. And so there were parts, of, some people at our table were wondering if you had flipped from, <laughs> and had gone to the, and got on that pendulum ride, trying to balance it up. Did you get caught on it well, and get over to the other side? Whatever imbalance I have happened long before the Grey Cup game. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I, I cheered for Saskatchewan right up to the last second. I think the game should have ended sooner. Um, <laughs> back to this point, um, there's a rally in town uh, on December the 12th about climate change, and you, you quickly made one quick comment about, well, I, I think everybody in here is concerned about climate change, now that we're worried about, are you over here in the pendulum? Um, are you still concerned about climate change? And are you coming to the rally at City Hall December 12th at 2 o'clock? Um, and if you are, would you help? Uh, you've challenged me to leave my car at home or to figure out if it's bad weather, how we get the city to loan us a bus and pick people up. So we carpool to get to the rally about Copenhagen, and we don't use as much oil. So help us or will you help us organize a carpool for December the 12th at 2 o'clock? Are well, you I, still on, on board with that? Or are you I, I am on here? side with that, yes. Okay. So do you want to help with carpools? Sure. Okay. Thank you. I think I just got snookered there somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> the question was, has he swung to the other extreme, and is he ignoring climate change? He said no. He is going to show up for the climate change rally. Okay. And he's going to help organize, um, he didn't realize he's going to help organize carpools because we shouldn't all be driving our cars there. I just want to underline the comments that Van made, which uh, are worth repeating, that 
that governments respond to pressure, and while it's uh, easy to criticize a provincial cabinet that uh, often seems to be way behind the eight ball on all environmental issues, it is true that, uh, that governments respond to pressure, and there's no hue and cry anywhere in the continent stronger than in Alberta to keep ta taxes down and living standards up. But I believe if we're going to change uh, the health of the earth, we will all settle for a lower standard of living and we'll probably live with uh, increased taxes or some version of that that helps to pay for looking after the earth and one another. And uh, Albertans are a long ways away from supporting a provincial party that would um, raise taxes and, uh, and do a better job of uh, looking after some of these things. Thank you for putting a different view on Port McMurray. I was there with the Youth Justice Committee, representing our Youth Justice Committee here. And I just appreciate everything that you've said to, to ride that pendulum. Um, my question would be, or my request would be, is that you go a bit further and talk about what tourism is up there, the float planes, the fishing, the, the, the beauty, just a bit more, because I came so pleased with what you were going to talk about and, and get that pendulum back to the middle. I don't care if you ride the other way for a bit because we know that there's, there's more going on there. So just spread it out a bit, please. I, I know there's a, <coughs> a wonderful provincial park just south of uh, Fort McMurray on a huge lake um, that uh, has incredible camping. And um, uh, there's, great, uh, there's great wilderness stuff. Uh, there's a little ski slope out there too, but uh, there's great uh, wilderness uh, stuff around Fort McMurray. Um, as Terry and Trevor rather can probably testify. Yeah, um, I had the best of living accommodations in that I was in a third floor apartment building on the edge of the downtown, picture's gone, uh, but looked out on the uh, waterway. Uh, it used to be a, a, a full connection between the Athabasca River and the Clearwater. The Clearwater has a junction up about two miles north, but anyway, they dammed it off at one point, and it's now a, uh, they call it the Sny, but it's parkland, and, and the water connects with the clear water, but not with the Athabasca. Anyway, float planes uh, are always anchored out there in the summertime, and uh, it was my privilege to watch these uh, folks take off. Um, they would make the whole valley vibrate uh, when the float planes were taking off and landing in that valley. Anyway, it's beautiful. Uh, name's Craig McCaughey, and not so much a question, but I lived in Fort McMurray for a few years with my family. And what time? Uh, in the late 70s, early 80s. Okay. So really in the first boom time during the, the end of Sincrude and the start up of the big expansion to Suncor. The town was probably about ten or 12,000 at the time, was it? Uh, it was probably about 25, I think, oh. somewhere there. So, but we had very much found this community a great one to live in, and family was well supported, and you know, great. We still got friends and family that still live there. So, just wanted to add that as support to your vision of Fort McMurray, and I see it much the same way. Thank you. Thank you, Terry. Knut Peterson is my name. Terry, I would be interested to find out what you think. Religion. What role does religion have to play in uh, lowering people's expectations to a sustainable level? Lower, lowering? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Is that uh, specific enough? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just an uncomfortable question. 
because I think um, uh, churches get uh, swept into the consumer culture like everybody else. Uh, but uh, I would hope uh, churches uh, uh, speak out uh, loudly uh, in terms of simple lifestyle. And, um, and we all have to figure out what that means. Uh, there was quite a, I thought you were going to ask a different question, but there was quite a religious uh, variety in Fort McMurray. And a lot of Islamic people, a really strong Islamic influence in Fort McMurray. And I really came to appreciate the simplicity of values of many Islamic people uh, in that community uh, who certainly brought some good stuff to the community and simplicity. Yeah. So it's a different image than we get in the, in the media about Muslims. Dwayne Pendergast, Terry. That was a very thoughtful presentation. And uh, I'm thinking that if you were to uh, write a book on that, it would be worth buying. Are you thinking of writing a book? I'm your first customer. <laughs> well, thank you. I'm thinking of writing several books, but uh, I don't know which one first. <laughs> Is that it? Anybody else would like to ask questions? Uh, I think we have two minutes, so can I add something? I said this to Terry. Uh, my name is Tad Mitsui, actually. Uh, yeah. Uh, his story reminded me of my first visit about 18 years ago to Hiroshima, city of atomic bomb. And my brother-in-law arranged a guide who was peace activist in Hiroshima City. And uh, so my wife and I expected a grand tour of tragedy of that nuclear weapon dropped first time on the human race. He didn't do any of that kind. First few days, we were looking at the beautiful Buddhist temples, opera house, art galleries, wonderful, wonderful seafood, etc., etc. And my wife began to be very irritate, irritated. Where's the atomic bomb? Where's the atomic bomb museum? Where's the peace park? So after two days, she finally asked Reverend uh, Oye, who turned out to be a Pentecostal minister, where is the effect of atomic bomb? Where are the sick people? And he said, I didn't want to do that tour in the beginning because we are people living here. We created a wonderful community. I want you to see that there are people who love good food, who love culture, who love arts, before you start talking about atomic bomb. I am convinced, hearing you, that people in Fort McMurray is almost the same. They believe that the problem is our over-consumption of oil. They know that, but they want us to know, this is, if this is your message, that there are people living there too. And uh, I think this message needs to be carried. They are not oil sand people. They are people. Any comment? No, I agree.
<laughs> I'm Gordon Campbell. This is a public service message. <laughs> so we're over time. As you probably know, the government of Canada has instituted a, 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 a very good prob a program of persons who have uh, helped to take flight. They're refugees from Bhutan and from Nepal. And these Nepalese are coming in at, at quite a number. And uh, it's important not only for the government to do its share in providing accommodation under the roof and, and uh, some literacy programs and how to recognize why the Queen's face is on the dollar bill and all such things like that. But the other side of the coin is for the community to reach out to these people and let them know a little bit that we're friendly, that we've got excess, we can share it with them, we'd love to share it with them. They're gentle people. Many of them can speak a bit now of English. And uh, Christmas time is coming also. Um, some of them are, are, are just delightful people in speaking English, and they're speaking more English all the time. So if any of you have any notion about clothes or things that would be appropriate, uh, let me know. Give me a call, and uh, we'll, we'll, we'll make sure that they get distributed somehow to the, to the Nepalese. Uh, so they'll have a good Christmas time. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, before we thank uh, Terry Shillington, I would like to repeat one announce, announcement again. Next week will be about less bridge transit. So I think that's a very important institution in terms of future of energy. So uh, less bridge transit. Anyhow, thank you, Terry, for your balanced presentation. I don't think he turned the pendulum to reach the other side. And thank you very much.